0: We need people to be supportive of us. You know, me as a individual working through the entire pandemic, it was an adjustment to deal with so many different personalities and minds. I would see people in a rage. I would see people crying. I would see people that just stopped speaking. They wouldn't say anything and they would have a bag, but they wouldn't speak, you know, and... That's a hard thing to deal with every single day.
1: Good morning. This is Epicenter NYC. We connect our communities to news, information and each other. I'm Andrea Pineda-Salgado. Since the start of the pandemic, we've witnessed food insecurity become increasingly prevalent across New York City. Over the past few months, we've reported on the rising food prices, struggling soup kitchens and food pantries that are so overwhelmed, they're turning people away for the first time ever. And just like the devastating effects of COVID-19, seniors in our community are some of the most vulnerable. These days, more and more seniors are lining up at the food pantry in hopes that a free grocery bag will allow them to pay their rent, bills or medications. Today, we'll hear from three community leaders about the challenges seniors have been facing while trying to access food. Zani Simmons is the community engagement director at Queen's Community Houses Pominock Community Center. Zani has seen firsthand how the pandemic has caused seniors to be isolated from their support systems.
0: My name is Zani Simmons, and I am the community engagement director here at Pominock Community Center. The way I'm directly involved with the senior center is that I supervise the senior center's um, older adult outreach specialists.
1: What kind of population do you guys serve? So the Palmanac
0: houses are unique residents. I've never worked and I've worked in a lot of um, communities and I've never worked in such a diverse community before, which is, it's, it's, it's teachable and I'm learning so much, but also we deal with... African-Americans, Africans, Caribbean, Hispanic, uh, German, Korean, Japanese, it's really diverse. But our major folks that come to the community center is very, our biggest numbers are Asians. We do see Hispanic and also Black, but our Asian community, they're the biggest one. They take advantage of the services that are here a lot. We have a lot of pride also. So sometimes it takes, and that's why we've been going out. Because I know I'm an island person and I know, you know, my grandparents are very prideful and they wouldn't ask for help, you know. So just being able to be on the ground, reaching out and saying, hey, it's okay. This happens too. And we're here. This is why we're here. This community center is in your community. But this purpose is no shame in this and taking the help, so just getting the people to accept the help sometimes is the hardest part, but it's a hugely diverse community here.
1: Have you noticed the need change since the pandemic? What trends are you seeing? so during the pandemic
0: it what it just seemed to be fear driven and fear created. A lot of anger and fear created ignorance, right? So during the pandemic, we saw hundreds of seniors. They came out because they didn't want to go to the supermarket. Okay. Now what we're seeing is what the pandemic caused was that fear that internalized. Where I would, I was telling you earlier, there's seniors that don't like to come out. They don't. They don't want to deal with what's outside. And there's still, and there's some that still have this deep underlying fear because they have lost their significant other to COVID. They don't want to be exposed still, and some of them, vaccinated or not, they won't come to the center for any activities. So what I've seen is a, it's kind of more of a mental shift, right? So people are now more mindful. But also so much more mindful that now when we're packing a bag of food, they're now asking for the things that they may not have asked for before.
1: Before the pandemic, how many people would you get per week? And then during its peak, how many? And then now how many?
0: So before the pandemic, we would only see maximum a week, 100, 120 on a really bad day. And then we used to be like, Oh God, it's so many people. And then the pandemic hit. And then we would literally see 1000 a week. It could be 1000 one week, and then it could be 1,300 another week. And we would talk, What I'm, when I'm saying that, I'm talking about faces, individuals that would be on the line after the pandemic, which what I would say, I don't think there's an after budget. Right now, our numbers are steady at 500, and that number does fluctuate. It's been getting a little bit higher since inflation and things are getting a little bit weird now, but I would say 500.
1: And what kind of income do they have? Is it Social Security, retirement?
0: So a lot of the seniors we see are social security. On a personal note, I've gotten close to a lot of the seniors and because we also have a lot of senior volunteers. Some of those folks actually take on, had taken on jobs because during the pandemic, the younger folks that lived in their household lost their jobs. So we have seniors that are now working at the gas station just to help bring in that added income. So, but the majority of our seniors are social security.
1: What do you think the seniors need the most right now?
0: From what we're seeing, someone to talk to, someone that's just there that will check in on them and check up on them. Because when we do call, when we even go out and do outreach, they just want to talk to someone, just be there. So, when they need you there, you know, you're there.
1: And what about food pantries or senior services like? like yours, like what do you guys need?
0: We need people to be supportive of us. You know, the community is really supportive. There's strangers that come out of the blue and give us a lot of support, but we need you to be a bit more compassionate and a listening ear and try to understand where, what we're dealing with and what, where we're coming from. Me as a individual working through the entire pandemic, it was an adjustment to deal with so many different personalities and minds that were coming at you, I would see people in a rage. I would see people crying. I would see people that just stopped speaking. They wouldn't say anything and they would have a bag, but they wouldn't speak. You know, and that's a hard thing to deal with every single day. And to also, when you're going home, you know, there's days that I've went home and I've cried. Because I just met a family that has four kids and everybody just lost their jobs, you know, or one of our seniors died. It would just be very emotional. And sometimes that is very hard to translate to someone. Not everyone can really, you know, really sense or feel like when you're there, there's times that we all had to step away. Just slow the line down and just everyone here, just breathe.
1: I also spoke to Mary Archana Fernandez. Mary is the Director of Family Support Services at the South Asian Council for Social Services. She's particularly concerned about the undocumented seniors who do not qualify for government benefits.
2: My name is Mary Archana Fernandez and I am the Director for Family Support Services here at SAC, South Asian Council for Social Services. We are a non-profit community-based organization based in Flushing. Our major focus areas are healthcare access and connection to benefits, senior services, and food security. And uh, we were actually the first food pantry, first culturally relevant uh, food pantry. When I say culturally relevant food pantry, it means that we serve food that uh, suits the cultural palate of our clients. Uh, we started it, you know, because a lot of our clients, South Asian clients uh, were telling us that there were no food pantries that they could go to, though they needed the food, but they couldn't go to the food pantry because the food available there was not the food that they ate every day. And that's how we started our food pantry in In 2015, we also started a home delivery program where we were delivering groceries to families that couldn't come to us or individuals that were immune compromised or families that had to be in isolation. And we thought that it was just something that we would do during the pandemic, when the pandemic was at its peak. But we are continuing to deliver it because of the need.
1: Talking a little bit more about some of the seniors accessing things like the food pantry and food delivery services, have you noticed the numbers keep going up? Like, has it been the same before the pandemic? What kinds of trends are you seeing?
2: Right. I think we were serving before the pandemic about like 300 families a week. And now we are doing almost 1300 families a week. Uh, 700 per day. We are uh, food pantry, curbside food pantry is open on Wednesdays and Thursdays. And we do about 700 families every day. And most of the people that patronize the food pantry are seniors. Uh, you know, a lot of them don't have access to benefits such as SNAP. food stamps, a lot of them, they have social security benefits, but their social security benefits is barely anything with which they can pay their rent or, you know, even if they're living with their family, it's not enough for them to get by, you know, it's not enough for them to, um, to purchase food that is healthy food that, you know, nourishes their body. And a lot of our clients come to our food pantry because we always make sure that we give them some kind of fresh produce, which I think is something that um, that's become very exp- uh, expensive, especially with the inflation. And no, it's not stayed the same. It has definitely gone up. And we feel like it's, um, I don't know, I, it looks like you know inflation and the prices of everything going up, it, it probably will only, will only go, up, go up more, the numbers.
1: Yeah. And I would really like to know what kind of income seniors have to purchase food. You know, do they have social security?
2: How much is it? Um, sure, I can give like average numbers. So for a lot of the seniors that um, that I work with, they've immigrated here very much later in, the, in their life, right? So they haven't either they have no work history here, or nobody ever when they newly immigrated, nobody ever told them about SSI benefits or retirement benefits. I have a senior here who you know, who's been here for 35 years, but when she came here, but um, she gets her and she worked all her life, but nobody told her that she should try and pay taxes so that when she's at an age where she cannot work, she can get like, um, you know, she can get good retirement income. She never knew that. And she, every month she says, I have to ask money from my daughter to help me so that she can make sure that she's paying her rent and you know uh, getting food she comes to the food pantry she does have snap does have some snap benefits of about 100 or something and that is the story for a lot of our seniors who you know uh, who never got any financial education on um you know ssi or ss um, or retirement or, um, you know, how, uh, how to build any kind of, um, you know, uh, try to get any kind of income.
1: And what about seniors who are, are undocumented immigrants? How is this income different? And how is even access to food different?
2: So we do, have, um, we do have some clients, seniors who are 65 plus and undocumented. Unfortunately, they don't qualify for any SSI or SSDI or any of those government benefits. They are unable to even get SNAP benefits. So a lot of times they are 100% either dependent on food pantries or um, nonprofit organizations. Or a lot of them I know go to local faith-based institutions to get their meals so if they're undocumented, they are living in extreme poverty then, unless they have family or someone here to support them.
1: And what can the average New Yorker do to help?
2: Right. I think um, I think volunteer definitely at food pantries. A lot of food pantries, we um, we thrive on volunteerism, right? For our food pantry, we have a lot of community members that access the food pantry that also volunteer here. is a lot of A lot of work that goes into putting a food pantry together and making sure that people have food. Yeah, that's what comes to my mind when people ask, how can I help? They can also donate to uh, donate to uh, community based organizations.
1: Finally, I spoke with Helen on the director of Korean Community Center's Senior Adult Services. Like Zani and Mary, Helen is concerned about the seniors access to food in New York City. In particular, Asian seniors who are afraid to make the trip to the food pantry amid rising anti-Asian hate crimes.
3: Hi, my name is Helen Ah. I'm a director of KCS Older Adult Centers. And currently I am overseeing two senior centers under New York City Department for the aging contract and also unique home-delivered meal in Queens.
1: What were some of the biggest challenges that seniors faced during the pandemic, that seniors that you worked with? Through the
3: pandemic and through the experience, I have uh, witnessed and also uh, provided the services that especially immigrant seniors and Korean-American seniors, Asian-American seniors, they are suffering from isolation not just for just food insecurity, isolation, and also during the pandemic, due to the surge of the anti-Asian hate crime, they also are afraid of, like, of going out. On top of the food insecurity, they are afraid of going out to get the food, to secure the food. And also, they are also suffering for the like, financial difficulties. And some seniors, I, I observed that some seniors also got some like a notification for eviction. So during this pandemic, they actually suffering not just only one one issue, they have lots of layers of difficulties and difficulties they are facing day by day.
1: And talking a little bit more about the food pantry and the food services you guys have, Have you noticed the number of people accessing these services go up since the pandemic?
3: KCS has uh, distributed uh, many uh, grocery bags, but food pantry we provide now is not like a daily basis. We provide these food pantries once a month through both senior centers, and we see that increase of numbers of this food pantry participants than uh, before the pandemic. One thing is that this food pantry is most of the food pantry we provide monthly is Western groceries. And Asian American seniors who eat their own like ethnic food groceries, it's really rare and it's very expensive. So they also suffering from securing appropriate food for themselves.
1: So you said that at the food pantry that you have mm-hmm. more Western groceries? Is that what you mm Yes.
3: Mm-hmm. Hmm. Because Korean American seniors and Asian American seniors, most people, like for example, Korean seniors eat kimchi, rice every day. That's, you know, meal and food every day. They, but the... Food pantries that we provide monthly, most of time pasta, cheese, cereal, and some canned vegetables. They really, really appreciate, you know, uh, food pantry. Uh but at the same time, they need their own ethnic grocery food pantries as well. Mm-hmm. But most of ethnic uh, groceries are like imported food. And the uh, inflation actually raised the price of these ethnic groceries. So especially Korean-American seniors uh, feel double kind of a burden to secure the food.
1: As you just heard, many of our seniors need a hand. A simple conversation can go a long way. But beyond that, consider helping out with daily tasks like reading mail, doing laundry, or even accompanying them to get food or to go to a doctor's appointment. Food pantries need your help too. We've added links to the organizations you learned about today, as well as a few more. Donations are always welcome, and many are also looking for extra volunteers. And if you want to help but aren't quite sure how to do it, you can reach out to me directly at andrea at epicenter-nyc.com. For more ways to get involved in your community, visit us at epicenter-nyc.com. That's all for today. Thanks for listening and thanks for supporting us as we do our best to support our community. We couldn't do it without you. And if you're not already a member, sign up today by using the link in our show notes. Our intro music is All the Pretty Horses by Karavika. You can find more of their music on their website linked to in our podcast description.